Hi, everyone, and welcome to I Just Blank, Now What? The podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Stevens, and thank you so much for tuning in. I know I say that every single week, but I have to emphasize it because I really am so grateful for all of you um, for tuning in and listening because I know you could be listening to any podcast out there. And so I'm really grateful that you're choosing to listen to this one. And I'm extra grateful that you're listening to this week's episode. It is a special one because on the show today is a good friend of mine, Melanie Cote, and she is here to share her, I just had an impossible idea, now what story. And the reason this one is so special to me is because I was involved in the early inceptions of getting this idea to be more than an idea. I hosted a design your dream career workshop several years ago and Melanie came to that event and that is when she first shared with us this idea that she had and we were all just so jazzed about it and so excited about it and we really encouraged her to go for it. So I'm really excited to have her on the show today because it's about three plus years later from when we had that first workshop and her idea has come to life. So a little bit about Melanie. She is an advertising copywriter, creative director, a proud parent, and a fierce advocate for individuals with intellectual disabilities like her daughter, Elma. She recently started a nonprofit social enterprise called Do Good Donuts, which hires and trains young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities to prepare them for jobs in the community. Her goal to change the way people think about employing people with intellectual and developmental disabilities before her daughter, currently eight, is old enough to find a job she loves. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. Have you ever had something happen in your life that you just were not expecting, good or bad, and said out loud or to yourself, I just got laid off, or I just got engaged. Maybe I just started a business, or... I just bought a house, or maybe I just got my heart broken, or I just quit my soul-sucking job. Now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had a few actually, and each time it happened, in the moment, I felt like the world around me was collapsing and I didn't know what to do. Eventually, of course, I did figure it out, often the hard way, but I figured it out. And it wasn't until I was sharing some of these stories that I realized they were packed full of great lessons of what to do next, how to move forward, and answer that gut-wrenching and sometimes paralyzing question, now what? So join me as we share some of life's most challenging stories and their transformational lessons on the I Just Blank, Now What? The podcast. Hello, Melanie Cote. Hey, Jessica, how are you? I'm so good. It's so good to see your face, you know, virtually, but it's good to see you. It's great to see you too. You look fabulous. Thank you so much. It's actually been, what, just over three years since we've actually seen each other in person. That is true. Yes. Yeah. Because the fun thing about today's episode is there's a little bit of like full circle moment for for the, for you and I, because it was three years ago that you came to design your dream career workshop that I was actually hosting with a friend of mine. 
and you came to that. And I think that is probably around the same time when you had this, I just had an impossible idea, now what moment, which is what we're going to talk about today on the episode. So yeah, I'm so excited that you're here today to kind of share everything that's kind of happened over the last three years since you were at that workshop with me. Yeah, I have to say that, as you know, I had another friend who wanted to sign up for the workshop. And so we buddy systemed it to the day, which was really exciting. And at that point, I was trying to decide in my job job career, what that was going to look like. And the impediment to trying to figure that out was, but I have this other idea. And it's been, you know, niggling away in the back of my mind for quite some time. And if I was going to choose how I would spend my days, I would much rather focus my energy and my enthusiasm and, you know, the bulk of my thinking into how to make this thing that had been swimming around in the back of my mind work. And I think it was around that time where I started to see possibility in an impossible idea. And I think it's when the light starts to shine through something that seems like a big black curtain that you can actually say, maybe this could work. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened, I think, around that time that we had that workshop is I was starting to believe maybe this impossible idea wasn't so impossible after all. Yeah, because I think all of us in the workshop with you were telling you, this is amazing. This is such a great idea. Go for it, do it. So I hope that some of that you know, belief from us spilled over onto you. And that's kind of what ignited that flame of like, all right, other people think this is a really good idea. So maybe it is. And let's go see. Absolutely. And I think that over the course of this journey, over the last three years, there have been so many people who have said, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. You just need to go for it. You're so passionate. This is going to be so amazing. And at the same time, there are as many people saying, this will never work. It can't possibly happen. It's too much. You just, you can't do it. It's not doable. It's an undoable. It is an impossible thing. And when I would hear that, I think the one thing that always rung through for me when they were telling me what I couldn't do was you don't know me. And I think my own, you know, my own core belief that I I might fail at it, but I can do it until I fail. And to tell me that I can't do it before I even try was something that made me want to do it even more. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, tell me I can't do something. And I'm like, oh, let me let me show you. <laughs> yeah, let me show you at least how far I can go. I know people who, when someone says they can't do it, a lot of times they say, oh, they're probably right. I probably can't. And, you know, I often come back and say, but what if you probably can't? Like, what if they're wrong? And that thing inside of you is right. That little voice is right. And in this case, I was much more leaning towards the size of the, but what if I can voice? Mm -hmm. And it's not perfect, but it's happening. Yeah. So why don't we, you know, pull the curtain back for the listeners here and and tell them what's happening. What was that idea you had three plus years ago and share share the now what journey since then and maybe even a little bit more of the backstory too of, of how this idea actually came to you. So I'm going to let you share that with everybody. Absolutely. So it's kind of a long story. So I'll try to squish it together as much as I can. But I have a, 
a long time career in advertising, first of all. So I've yeah, come, that's how you and I know each other, right? That's how we know each other, right? I, I was a copywriter and associate creative director and did all the things. And I really define myself by my career, which I think we've talked about too, that it's really hard if you define yourself through your job to then do something different and think it's going to work out. So through the time when I was in advertising, eventually I met someone, we had kids and our second child has a disability. And it really is a fundamental shift in how you do things because you can't work the same way because you need to be on hand to do stuff. You can't parent the same way as other people are parenting. Your view of the future is different because of what you have to accommodate for the future. So it's a, it's, it's a really kind of mind bending switch in how you look at the world. And as someone who tends to be a doer, I volunteered for the organization that supports my daughter's rare syndrome. And I got really involved in the community and I wanted to know everything. I am naturally curious. And the way that I navigate things is through getting all of the information I can. And it was really helpful as an advertising copywriter, also very helpful for me as a parent of a child with a disability. And what was her diagnosis? Right. So Alma has Williams syndrome which is a rare genetic syndrome and occurs in about one in 10,000 births, which to put that into context right now, they're diagnosing individuals on the autism spectrum at about one in 60 and a Down syndrome is about one in 700. So Williams syndrome is more than 10 times as rare as having a child with Down syndrome and more than a thousand times rare than having someone on the autism spectrum join your family. And one of the things that was happening consistently at that point in my career is that I was often tasked to do the CSR, the corporate social responsibility campaigns, because, you know, I understood some of the stuff that was entangled with marginalized people and people on the outside looking in. And I was, I'm obviously not a person with a disability, but I was parenting someone with a disability. Mm -hmm. And in adulthood, that comes with huge economic marginalization and racialization is a big factor on what happens to people with disabilities. So suddenly I was much more aware of things that I hadn't been. And one of the key things that I was tasked with on a few different clients was employment programs for people with disabilities and how with autism becoming really a mainstream conversation and other stuff, how companies are making all these programs to help young people with disabilities get jobs. Except that none of the young people I knew with disabilities were having any success with that that the home offices were talking about all these amazing programs that they had in place, but on the ground at the local shop down the corner or the grocery store around the way, it wasn't translating into the ability for the young people to turn those into meaningful places in society. And I thought that's not right. That's a huge disconnect. That's a huge disconnect. That's a huge disconnect. And it means that all of the goodwill of the corporate world wasn't coming to fruition down at the human level. Mm -hmm. And that's a miss for the corporation and it's a miss for the young people. And if I could figure out how to build a bridge between the good intentions of the corporations, the need to be job ready in the middle and the ability to give the young people the experience they needed to meet the company in the middle, we might be able to get more people jobs. And Alma's little, she's only eight now. So she was five uh, when we would have been at our session. And looking into the future for her and seeing her never having a job, being someone who identified so much with my employment career was pretty heartbreaking. So that's when the idea for Do Good Donuts 
came about. So Do Good Donuts is a nonprofit employment social enterprise that hires and trains young adults with intellectual disabilities, works with national hiring partners to create pathways to meaningful employment by instilling employer objectives into the training that we're giving the young people in our business. Oh, wow. That is maybe the best mission statement I've ever heard, Mel. That's fantastic. And I've been watching you for three years, take this from, you know, just an idea to seeing you on the news just a couple of weeks ago with Do Good Donuts live in the community now. So how does that feel for you? It's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing to see how excited other people are now that it's a real thing. So we're running a pilot program right now in Toronto at the Lessieville Farmers Market. We have a tent that's there every week. We've got a six month, you know, location. Mm -hmm. And again, for all of the naysayers in the three years since we've talked and all the, you know, funding questions and program questions and community questions that have come up to say, you know, this is never going to work to actually be live to now have hired three young adults who are starting with us in the next week or two, who will have a a part-time job with us, most of them, their first paid job with us, working in our shop, working with us in the kitchen. It's been really incredible to see how many other people care about this as much as I do and how committed they are to helping us move it forward. That's amazing. Like literally incredible. And as you said, like this was started out as like an impossible idea that you- Impossible you made possible. And it was through all of these, I guess, now what questions that you had to continuously ask yourself as you got through one hurdle to the next hurdle to the next. So let's rewind to like three years ago, the idea is now like, we have now fueled the flame and the idea is now sparked. What was that? Like, now what steps for you? So the first now what was that I took a job at an agency that wrote fundraising. So it was a for-profit, you know, advertising agency, but all of their clients were nonprofits to work on fundraising. Because I thought the first thing I'm going to need is money and I can't get money if I don't know how to do fundraising. So I moved over there. I spent some time relearning how to write copy in the fundraising way and try my best to take my traditional advertising agency mindset to fundraising with mixed success, let's be honest. But I did learn a lot of core skills around fundraising. And then I needed to understand how to take something that was so complicated. It's a social program, it's a food business, and it's built on corporate partnerships and create a a way to kind of silo the information I needed to know and the people I needed to connect with and then bring them together in a way that could actually move forward. It needs to be a profitable business in a nonprofit model where all of the money goes back into funding the social program that can't exist without corporate partners. Yeah, there's got to be a what's in it for me win for all of those. For all of those things. How can I create a food business from scratch with no food business experience that people will want to go to and that will be successful enough to build a training program from scratch on a novel model that hasn't been well tested, particularly here in Canada, it's working elsewhere, to be able to put employees into an integrated work environment the same way they would be if they were working at McDonald's or Tim Hortons in a way under a brand that people loved enough that they would keep coming because they cared about the food was good, but they also cared about the mission, 
which requires the input of the downstream employers to give us the skills to train so that when our employees are ready to go and move on to the next thing, it's easy for the franchise owners to say yes. So that's the like the Tetris of the task at hand. And is that how you came up with the decision of let's do donuts? Let's do donuts. So obviously Tim Hortons, Canada, people love donuts. And Tim Hortons has always been an excellent employer for people with disabilities and they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to start in one spot, donuts are a great place. The idea of sort of a donut shop cafe is a daytime business, doesn't involve alcohol. It's community-based and forward-facing, which means that you've got parents in the community, you've got school teachers, you've got other people who can come in and see the young adults working, which to me is, is a core tenant of what we do. We don't hire people with disabilities and then put them in the back room and you never see them. We're not a catering company where everybody works in the back and then you know, the typical staff go out and serve the food at a wedding that it, it's a kind of place where when I first found out that Alma was diagnosed with her syndrome and had no idea what her future would look like, if I had been able to come in and sit down and order a cookie and a tea with the stroller and watch these people working, my outlook would have been so much brighter so much sooner. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we can be that beacon of hope in the community, that we can have the employers who stop to grab something on their way to work wherever they work, can see our people working, working successfully, you know, building a product and creating a brand that is already being recognized, already being known, has a gazillion repeat customers already, is says, hey, if they can work here and this is possible, imagine what a great person they would be to bring in and have working in my business. So yeah. all of those things sort of came together for why donuts, why a coffee shop and cafe, why a bakery? I love to bake. I'm a longtime baker. So I figured if I was going to do something, it had to be something that I already enjoyed in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the kind of product that every day is a new day? So if we have a bad day making donuts, we'll have a bad day. If we have, you know, if we burn some cookies, if, you know, it's fine. The, tomorrow's yeah, a new resets, day. All it, all, it all resets the next day. And it has, you know, systems and processes, which are very easy to, you know, they're, they're easy to break down into very simple steps. That's the nice thing about baking or cooking or customer service. First you do this, you say, hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get you some fries with that? Everybody says the same thing. Everything is done exactly the same way. And for many people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, having a system and doing things by rote is the best way to be successful. Yeah. And so that's it every day and repeating it every it. day. And maybe on the first day you get the first step, but not the other 17. And maybe it takes a year to get the other 17. But once you've learned it once and you've onboarded that process once in your learning capacity, if the process is very similar to the job you're about to do, if your job is going to be to fill up the milk and the sugar, and at our restaurant, the milk and the sugar are filled up exactly the same way. Then when you go to work at Starbucks, you've already done the job and the things that change are small. It's new people, you're going to a new location, but the milk canisters look the same. The sugar canisters look the same. The way that you do it looks the same. It's a lot easier for you to be successful. And that was the mindset behind building out this model in the way that it's shaping up. Now, right now it's in a farmer's market tent. So (laughs) the pilot is a little left of center, but the biggest problem we faced is that people believed it couldn't be done. Funders said they wouldn't fund a novel idea. 
they wouldn't fund someone who is trying to create a food business social enterprise that's never run a food business. They weren't necessarily sure that the trainees would have the agency and the capacity to do the work. Mm-hmm. So the purpose now of the pilot is to run a food business for the first time, to onboard trainees and take them through the process and have people be able to come up and see them working and say, oh, actually, they can do that. Oh, actually, you can start a food business from scratch. And although the pandemic has been a terrible, terrible disaster for food businesses all over the place, it has also shown how people can pivot and start something new and create something from scratch very effectively. So I think think that's working for us. It's Um, kind of given you guys a little bit of grace and some permission to... Yeah to trial and error because so many other even successful business owners who had to pivot are now doing trial and error and figuring things out too. Right. Everybody was kind of level set. Everybody was starting from scratch, which made it a lot easier for us to figure out a way and bring our model to life. Now I lost my train of thought. So (laughs) I went to work in fundraising. Then I applied for and was accepted into a program at TAF, the Toronto Enterprise Fund which was supporting people who had a germ of an idea to start an employment social enterprise and carry it through to the point where they were ready to start building a feasibility study. So that was sort of a five-week class on what does it look like to build a social enterprise mm-hmm. that has a social mission in, in, around specifically around employment. And I finished that and I made a business plan and I made a feasibility study and I flew all over the U.S. and visited cafes and other businesses who were working in the same or similar model with the same or similar population to understand how they did it. And I kind of cherry picked what was working across the land. And I visited a university in Wisconsin that has a whole program around hospitality and restaurant services for young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. I looked at their curriculum. I looked at their admissions criteria. I looked at their success rates and where did people go? And I put all of that kind of into my toolbox. And then I got all ready to do all the funding applications. I did my first big funding pitch on March 6th of 2020. Days before. (laughs) You can imagine how a granting body looked upon a startup nonprofit food service business employing one of the most vulnerable populations of the pandemic and took a hard pass. And they had multiple objections to the model, most of which just made me say, allow me to show you how you're not right about that, but that's fine. So be it. So fast forward to this early spring, and I saw that the Lessieville Farmers Market applications were still open. And I took a Hail Mary pass and put in our application. I wrote a very heartfelt application and got the word back that they were so excited that we were exactly the kind of business they wanted to support and they couldn't wait. And they've been amazingly helpful in allowing us, again, some grace and some learning curves to get up to speed. And the other thing that happened early on, just as the farmer's market was starting, is I applied and was accepted to the social ventures zone at Ryerson. So the social ventures zone takes businesses that have the idea, the idea is kind of baked, but, but, they, but it needs to go where to now. So yeah. how do I take a business that's made it to the start of the pilot and find now the learnings what? through the course yeah. of our pilot? Now what? Now I have, right, impossible idea to possible, to maybe not possible, back to possible, but then the pilot ends October 31st. How do we take everything we've learned, package that up and realize the full dream 
of our in-person bricks and mortar cafe, donut shop and training center. Wow, Mel, like so much has happened and not happened at the same time over the the course of the last three years of Do Good Donuts, you know, inception, lots of highs and lows, right? Like lots of like great, great achievements and then big, big disappointments. How did you kind of weather that emotional roller coaster as it relates to, you know, your this idea baby <laughs> that you've created as a and because of how connected you are because of you know Elma your real baby and the future that you want to have for her so give us that a, a little bit of that emotional journey for you yeah it's absolutely a roller coaster is exactly right it is a lot of ups and downs but i think at the core of it all i truly believe it will work and that has never wavered when people said no i thought I must not be explaining it right because the thing that I see in my head and the place that I smell walking into and the feeling that I know I can see in the eyes of the customers that aren't real in the place that doesn't exist, that I know it can work. And I don't know how successfully and I don't know how much funding it will take. And I don't know a lot, but I do know that the connection and building the bridge and the need, the dire need for the young people is there. And I just believed. And that's how I weathered the storm is that I think when people come to me and they do sometimes and ask me advice on career and other things, I always tell them, don't think about what you want to do. Think about the impact you want to have and why you want to do it and and how when you know you get to the end of that part of your journey or whether you get to the end of your life or however you like to shape things, are you going to look back and say, wow, I'm really glad that I made that happen, that I was able to be a part of creating this feeling or this change or this momentous thing that's really not about the thing, right? It's about the the impact or how you're creating a world that's a little bit different or inventing something that wasn't there before, whatever you're going to do. And I, I so strongly believe in this impact and the, the, for this need that, you know, I got bumped around a little bit, but I was always willing to get back on the horse that there's nothing anyone could say to tell me that the impact wasn't right. And it was just a matter of reframing how to get there mm-hmm. and refining, reframe and refine, reframe and refine. Just like that recipe that you're making for those donuts, right? Like you're just, yeah. Exactly. Just trying to make it better every time. And, you know, the thing that ends up being the thing in the end is probably not the thing that I saw in the beginning, but the impact will be the same. Mm-hmm. And that's what I keep hanging on to. So even if it needs to get modified or changed or start as a farmer's market, you know, tent and not your, you know, beautiful brick and mortar cafe with cappuccinos, it's still shaping and still moving in the right direction. It's still moving in the right direction. And you know what? We interviewed our young adults for this role of a farmer's market tent. It is a small job. It is a part-time job. It is eight hours a week. And you know, truth be told, most young adults with disabilities would likely have a part-time job that would likely be between sort of 12 or 20 hours a week. 14 is kind of the sweet spot with some funding. So the idea that we're getting them halfway to that goal job, even for the summer, I remember my first summer job and it was, you know, the start of something amazing. It's real. Like at least for these three people Mm -hmm. for this time, 
we are giving them something they have never had before. And we're entrusting them and we're believing in them and we're supporting them. And we are giving them the independence to be considered employees and we're paying them a real wage. And that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, for absolutely. And especially not just even for them, but for their families. So, and for everyone who walks up to our tent and I see people, you know, I have, I'm good instinct. I see people coming and I can tell when, you know, they're coaching their kids through stuff and, you know, I'm not exactly sure what's up, but I see lots of faces at our tent. And I know that those families are raising someone who's, you know, future they're a little bit uncertain about. And for them to be able to walk up and see our trainees mm-hmm. and see feel a little more certainty and feel a little more hope and a little more, you know, open the realm of possibility 10 degrees or 15 degrees or 20 degrees further than what they expected. That's really inspiring for me to see those families looking for that same thing that I was looking for, Yeah, which was where do I see happy people thriving with a meaningful place within my community? And that's literally any, what all parents want for their children. That's all they want. And I think too, I mean, you're a woman, I'm a woman. When we were coming up in advertising, there weren't a ton of, I mean, we happened to work at Ogilvy, which had a ton of female role models, but yeah. we were, we were lucky. We were like the like needle in the haystack agency, right? Yeah. And there were some others like I can, you know, in creative, I can think of some kind of superstars. Generally speaking, when I was in agencies, I was the only woman in the creative department at various times. Mm-hmm. And people said, oh, do you want to be a creative director one day? And I, I said, I didn't think women could be creative directors at one point when I was young. I'd never seen one. I didn't yeah. know that it was real. And obviously through all of the discussions that we see in terms of women in tech or black people, racialized communities, indigenous communities saying, hey, you need to put people into these roles because how will our kids grow up to know that they can do it? Yeah. And if there are no people with intellectual disabilities working, how can our kids know they can do it? They can't. You need to see it to be it. And it's the same in this community as it is in so many other communities. Absolutely. So let's chat a little bit about Alma right now. So she's eight years old now. Eight years old, total firecracker. Well, she's always been a firecracker. Like her spirit has just been, you know, a, a thousand percent since day one, I'm sure. So how how is she doing? What's going on in her life? Well, she's rolling into grade three. She's reading. She's starting to read this year, which is amazing. You know, there were when she was little, I wasn't sure if she'd be able to read or, you know, what, where she would get. But she comes to the tent and she greets the customers and she does all abilities cheerleading. She's a very proud Special Olympics athlete. She's, you know, has a hard time. She struggles with relationships and making strong friendships, but she does have friends on the street that, you know, have a great geographical connection to. So that helps. And she's endlessly optimistic about almost everything. Which which makes it extra easy to get up at 4:30 in the morning to make donuts to be clearing a path for her to just go as far as she can go. Mm -hmm. I don't know where she's going to get to, but I'm damn sure that no one's going to tell her when to stop. And I'm certainly going to do everything I can to just move the barriers out of the way. And then she'll go as far as she can. Yeah, for sure. I'm just so excited. And honestly, Alma is like the best spokes girl for do good donuts. She's cute as a button. And I'm sure everyone just runs up to the tent and she's just greeting them with the biggest smile as ever. Yeah. Happy dances for all. 
Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So now how can people find you? How can people support Do Good Donuts? Where, where can they find more information if they want to learn more and support this very, very amazing cause? So they can find Do Good Donuts at Do Good Donuts, D-O-N-U-T-S dot C-A. You can pre-order for donuts to pick up at the market on Sundays there. And you can also find our GoFundMe if you want to help support our training program. You can follow us on Instagram at, at do underscore good underscore donuts. And you'll see some amazing things there. Some of our TV interviews, Jagmeet Singh came by the market recently and popped by our tent and was so excited and posted an amazing Instagram story. So that video is there. You can see the day that he came to the market. You can see all of our food and some of the stuff that we're up to there. And then Sunday mornings, 9am to 2pm at Greenwood Park, Leslieville Farmers Market will be there every Sunday till October 31st. And hopefully by around September, we'll have some idea of what the program will look like post pilot. Yay. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for it. Yes. You will see me at the farmer's market real soon to go get some, come and get some donuts. So, and the cool thing is, is are all your donuts vegan or just some of them? I know you said they were vegan. The donuts are vegan, the other baked goods. So we also have cookies and kind of like a baked good of the week. Those are not vegan. Those are, and they're made in a different kitchen, but the donuts are vegan. Yeah. 100%. We have a rainbow sprinkle chocolate dip, we have our cinnamon with five spice. And then every week we have a flavor of the week. Okay. Yeah. So what, what's this week's flavor of the week? This week is vegan cherry cheesecake. It's cherry season at the market. So it's our regular yeast vegan donut with a vegan cream cheese glaze, a cherry drizzle, and a sprinkle of graham cracker. Oh my gosh, that sounds delicious. My husband is a huge donut lover. So we will be sure to come by real soon to get some donuts and support Do Good Donuts. Well, Mel, thank you so much for being my guest today and sharing your, I just had an impossible idea. Now what story? I know the story is far from over. So please stay in touch and let us know how things are going and Anytime you want to come back to the show and give everybody an update on Alma and do good donuts and where you guys are at, you are more than welcome to come. Thank you so much for having me. I think this is such a wonderful idea for a podcast. I think it's so important for people to know that all of those impossible things that they're facing are maybe not impossible after all. And what your career has led to, Mm -hmm. what do good donuts has led to, I think the resilience to create something from change. is one of the best things that happens to us in life. And I'm so excited for your listeners when they're struggling with something impossible to hear your voice and to hear your guests and to know that there's a solid chance that what's around the corner is far better than they imagined. So congratulations to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, that is definitely the goal of the show is just to inspire people to wake up every day knowing that they can figure out you know, and answer that lifelong question that we are all going to be answering forever of now what? Now what? Now what? Awesome. Okay. Bye now. Thanks so much. Bye Jess. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I just blank now what? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, 
please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.